This is True Crime Psychology and Personality, where we discuss the pathology behind some of the most horrific crimes and those who committed them from a scientifically informed perspective. I'm Dr. Todd Grande. I have a PhD in Counselor Education and Supervision, and I'm a licensed professional counselor of mental health. Dr. Todd Grande, that's my YouTube channel. Today's question is, can I analyze the HBO documentary series, Alan V. Farrow? which premiered in February of 2021. Other questions here would include, is Woody Allen guilty? And what is the science behind false allegations made by children? Just a reminder, I'm not diagnosing anybody in this video, only speculating about what could be happening in a situation like this. I'll start here with a summary of the series. There were four episodes in this series. The focus of the series was an examination of the evidence related to an allegation of sexual assault made against Woody Allen by Dylan Farrow. A number of people were interviewed for the documentary, including Dylan Farrow, Woody Allen's adopted daughter, Mia Farrow, who was Woody Allen's romantic partner for many years, Ronan Farrow, who is the biological son of Woody and Mia, and various investigators, a prosecutor, mental health experts, and friends of the Farrow family. The documentary goes through the basic story of Woody Allen and Mia Farrow, highlighting a few key points, including Woody Allen's fame as a filmmaker. It talked about a theme in his movies of an older man in a romantic relationship with a younger woman. It revealed a little bit about Mia Farrow's background, how the relationship between Allen and Farrow formed and ultimately disintegrated, Woody Allen's relationship with Dylan, and how it may have been characterized as inappropriate. The sexual assault allegation involving Dylan Farrow and Woody Allen, Woody Allen's relationship with Suni, who was adopted by Mia Farrow and eventually married Woody Allen, and ultimately the ramifications of Dylan's allegation on Woody Allen. The documentary was long, it was very one-sided, but it did cover an interesting topic that is important for society to contemplate. Because the focus of the documentary was Dylan's allegation, I'm going to go through the basic facts and look at the evidence both for and against the idea that Woody Allen was guilty. I will include information that was covered in the documentary, as well as information that was not covered. It is important to note that Woody Allen denies any wrongdoing, and he was never charged with any crime. Starting here with the basic facts. Allen and Farrow entered into a romantic relationship in 1980. They lived in separate residences. They worked together on many films. Farrow was in 13 of Woody Allen's movies. At the start of the relationship, Farrow had three biological sons from a prior marriage, three adopted girls, and one adopted boy named Moses. Dylan was adopted in 1985. Even though Allen and Farrow were together at that time, Allen was not involved in that adoption. He would, however, take on a role as a parent, including spending more time in Mia Farrow's home. In 1987, Farrow would give birth to Ronan, who at that time was referred to as Satchel. Farrow would adopt another child after this, and Allen would adopt Dylan and Moses in 1991. Moving back a few years to 1987 and 1988, Farrow would allege that Allen manifested inappropriate behavior toward Dylan. For example, allowing Dylan to suck his thumb, sitting on Dylan's bed in the morning after she woke up, frequently staying in close proximity to Dylan, and reading to Dylan dressed only in his underwear. Concerned, Farrow communicated with a mental health professional who said that Allen's behavior was 
inappropriately intense because it excluded everybody else, but it was not sexual in nature. Now moving forward to 1991, Alan started a romantic relationship with Sunni Previn, one of Pharaoh's adopted daughters. There are different stories as to when this relationship started. Alan said December of 1991. Some other people believe it might have been before that. On January 13, 1992, Pharaoh found nude photographs of Sunni in Alan's residence. This appears to be what could have led to the end of the romantic relationship between Alan and Pharaoh. Mia Pharaoh would go on to adopt two more children. Alan and Sunni would marry in 1997. This brings us to Dylan's allegation. Alan visited Pharaoh's house in Bridgewater, Connecticut on August 4, 1992. Mia Farrow and a friend of hers went shopping. They took the two children that Farrow had most recently adopted. Here's who remained in the house. Woody Allen, Dylan Farrow, who was seven years old, Mia Farrow's French tutor, Mia Farrow's babysitter, Christy Grotecki, Ronan Farrow, Moses Farrow, three children belonging to the friend, and their babysitter, Allison Strickland. The next day, Strickland reported to Farrow that she saw Alan kneeling on the floor in front of Dylan with his face in her lap. Farrell called her attorney, who said take Dylan to a pediatrician. This is what Farrell did. Dylan did not report abuse to the pediatrician. Then we see that Farrell starts recording Dylan, and the story emerges about how Alan allegedly escorted Dylan to the attic and sexually assaulted her. Farrell took Dylan back to the pediatrician, who then contacted the authorities. The pediatrician said he found no evidence of a sexual assault, but he was obligated to report the allegation. The allegation was made public. Allen denied any wrongdoing and suggested this was a manipulation attempt by Farrow. Allen did say that he was in a relationship with Sunni, so he admitted that part, but that, of course, was not criminal. The Connecticut State Police started investigating. Dylan was interviewed several times by two social workers and a pediatrician at Yale New Haven Hospital. They would eventually determine that Dylan had not been sexually assaulted. A prosecutor named Frank Mako decided there was probable cause to charge Allen, but he did not prosecute Allen because he had concerns about traumatizing Dylan Farrow. Nothing further happened in relation to the allegations from the perspective of the criminal justice system. Dylan has maintained her claim. Allen has maintained his denial. Various people have lined up on each side of the issue. There was a trial regarding custody after this where Allen did not prevail, but that was not anything involving the criminal justice system. This brings me to the evidence for and against the idea that Woody Allen was guilty. I'm going to start with the evidence for guilt that points toward guilt. The actual allegation that Dylan made when she was seven years old against Woody Allen and her statements as an adult seem to indicate guilt. She stands by her account that she vividly recalls being sexually assaulted by Allen. Woody Allen has been accused of having an inappropriate relational style with Dylan. Many people noticed it. This allegation seems to have much more support than the sexual assault allegation, although it's worth noting it hasn't been proven either. In a sense, the appropriate relational style supports the idea that Allen had given the relationship a trajectory and he was moving towards something even more inappropriate. If this inappropriate relational style is something that actually happened, it establishes the possibility of a prior tenancy. 
Again, it doesn't prove any other allegation could have happened. The relationship with Sunni, I think, points toward guilt. It suggests a willingness to cross a boundary, even though Alan denied any father-daughter relationship had been established. The testimony of Allison Strickland regarding the events of August 4, 1992, seemed to support guilt. Strickland was Mia Farrow's friend's babysitter who reported seeing Alan with his face on Dylan's lap. Related to this would be Farrow's babysitter, Christy Grotecki. She reported that there was a 15 to 20 minute gap when Dylan could not be located. These reports make it seem as though there was an opportunity for Alan to have taken Dylan to the attic, but none of these witnesses reported anything about an attic. Moving to the evidence against the idea of guilt, so the evidence that makes it seem as though Woody Allen is innocent. Woody Allen denies the allegations. He has denied them from the beginning and never changed his story at all. Mia Farrow was in a bitter, ongoing dispute with Allen. She had access to Dylan, influence over Dylan, and this allegation was made right after the discovery of the photographs of Sunni. A nanny who worked for Farrow, Monica Thompson, gave two affidavits saying she felt pressured by Farrow to support the allegation. Thompson was not at Farrow's house on the day of the alleged incident. Thompson remembered a conversation with Grotecki, the babysitter who talked about the 15 to 20 minute gap, in which Grotecki said that she did not remember losing sight of Dylan. So Grotecki told Thompson she didn't remember anything about not seeing Dylan. Farrow's housekeeper of 13 years, Mavis Smith, who was certainly no fan of Allen, said that she never saw Woody Allen do anything sexual with Dylan during her time working there. Moses Farrow wrote that Mia Farrow was physically and emotionally abusive, and he said that on August 4, 1992, nobody was in any private spaces of the house. Later, he would write that on many occasions, Mia Farrow tried to convince him that Dylan had been abused. The documentary dismissed what Moses said out of hand, saying that his statements contradicted some statements by the other children. Sunni accused Mia Farrow of abuse, including alleging that Farrow referred to her as stupid and moronic and slapped her across the face. The New York Department of Social Services investigated the matter as well. They concluded there was no credible evidence of abuse or maltreatment. The documentary also dismissed the next exculpatory item, the Yale New Haven Hospital Assessment. This assessment was carried out by experts. They concluded no abuse took place. They said that Dylan's statements were probably a combination of a vulnerable minor trapped in a disturbed family situation and someone being influenced or instructed by their mother on what to say. They found that Dylan may have suffered from thought disturbances and she had a tendency to fantasize. A mental health expert hired by Allen would testify that the report reached conclusions that were supported well by the collected data. A mental health expert hired by Farrow called the report seriously flawed, but also said it was not biased. He would go on to say that he was unable to reach any conclusion regarding the allegation of abuse by looking at the report. The documentary suggested that Dylan was interviewed too many times, the assessment team had destroyed contemporaneous notes, and it implied that perhaps the team had some type of loyalty to Woody Allen. I agree that interviewing Dylan nine times is more than usual, but it's not necessarily wrong or evil. Destroying the notes was irregular, but the idea that it completely invalidates their findings is a stretch. The idea that the team 
was loyal to Woody Allen is difficult to believe as well. Dory Previn, Andre Previn's ex-wife, wrote a song called Daddy in the Attic. Andre Previn had an affair with Mia Farrow. Eventually, he left Dory Previn and married Farrow. The lyrics to the song go, With my daddy in the attic, that is where my dark attraction lies. Farrow would have been aware of this song before ever having met Woody Allen. There are alternate theories that fit some of the evidence against Allen that do not involve a crime. For example, looking at that missing 15 to 20 minutes, if that even happened, it could have been that Allen took Dylan somewhere in the house and did not do anything illegal. Maybe they were just talking. So just being missing doesn't establish that some type of abuse occurred. Now, I didn't put the video recordings made by Mia Farrow into either the for or against column. Farrow had made these video recordings of Dylan talking about the alleged abuse. Many people view the video of Dylan captured by Mia Farrow as leaning toward the idea that Alan is guilty. I don't find this evidence compelling for a number of reasons. The recordings were made after Dylan was taken to the pediatrician the first time and did not say anything about abuse. We don't know what was said right before the recording started. We don't know how many recordings might have been made that were disposed of, perhaps recordings that contained nothing inculpatory or even something exculpatory. Mia Farrow was not an independent agent in this scenario. Clearly, she was in an ongoing dispute with Alan. One can interpret the fact that Farrow made the recordings as an attempt to manipulate the situation, to capture something inculpatory and use it against Alan. All the recordings prove is that Dylan said a series of words to Mia Farrow while being recorded. In consideration of the evidence, what are my thoughts? Well, I certainly do believe that reasonable doubt exists in this case. And of course, that doesn't matter because no charges were ever filed. But if charges had been filed, there is so much reasonable doubt here, I cannot imagine a guilty verdict, at least not by any rational jury. What about actual guilt? So separate of the standard of reasonable doubt, do I think Woody Allen committed this offense against Dylan Farrow? To answer this, let's consider the probabilities of different explanations for the allegation. One explanation for the allegation is that Woody Allen did it. He had no criminal history whatsoever. There's no indication he would be inclined to engage in this behavior. That type of behavior is usually expressed as a tendency. We don't usually see somebody offend just one time. So we see there's a low probability that Woody Allen is guilty. The second explanation is that Mia Farrow pressured Dylan into lying. Technically, this is also a low probability. However, there was this ongoing feud between Allen and Farrow. It was nasty. And the two people I mentioned before indicated Farrow exerted pressure on them to support the allegation, Monica Thompson and Moses Farrow. There is some evidence implicating Mia Farrow, not overwhelming, but there's something there. In the end, each explanation has a low probability, but one has to be true outside of some really low probability explanation like Dylan decided to be deceptive of her own accord. If that were somehow true, that would still mean that Alan was not responsible. When stepping back and looking at everything, I believe a preponderance of the evidence leads to the conclusion that Woody Allen did not sexually assault Dylan Farrow. I can understand why people could reach either conclusion. It is, of course, very possible that Dylan Farrow is recounting something that actually happened, 
I just don't think she is. That's just my opinion based on the evaluation of the evidence that is available. I don't know what happened, and other than a few people who are directly involved, nobody does. I find this case interesting because there are so many strong opinions when really all we have is uncertainty. In the United States, one valued legal construct is the presumption of innocence, the idea that a crime has to be proven beyond a reasonable doubt to be considered true in order for there to be consequences against the accused. Allen has been tried in the court of public opinion, not in a criminal court. His defense is credible and logical. I think what happens some of the time with certain types of allegations, like those involving sexual assault, is that they are so heinous and people are so tired of these crimes being committed that there's this thinking that maybe we can adjust the standard of guilt and that'll somehow solve the problem. But it won't. The fact of the matter is that in this case, the justice system has already spoken. The allegations were unsubstantiated. Revisiting them with a one-sided documentary is not in the interest of justice or fairness. I believe it's important for survivors of sexual abuse to feel supported when making their accusations. I think most everybody agrees with that. Similarly, I think people who are falsely accused of sexual assault deserve support as well. Sexual assault is a horrible crime. Therefore, being accused of it falsely is also a horrible crime. I would hope that there would be equal measures of compassion for both types of victim. One of the topics touched on in the documentary was the idea that false allegations under these circumstances would be rare. They talked about parental alienation syndrome and how it was not scientifically supported. There was a scientist named Dr. Gardner who made claims about this syndrome without research. The documentary tried to discredit the idea that parents could coach children into making false allegations because Dr. Gardner, one person, didn't back up his claims with research. This is like saying the world is flat because one person who said it was spherical didn't do research before making the statement. False allegations from children are actually somewhat common. Research suggests that the overall rate of false allegations is about 10%. The chances of a false allegation dramatically increase when certain circumstances are present. A high-conflict divorce where one parent is alienated, especially if the alienated parent is a father, a child who has difficulty distinguishing between reality and fantasy, and a child who has lower-than-average cognitive abilities. One element that is stressed repeatedly in the research that somehow the documentary seemed to ignore is how it takes special training in mental health to evaluate sexual abuse claims made by children. Another important element is that false allegations almost always come from somebody other than the child, right? So the child might make the false allegations, but it's because a parent is coaching them and encouraging them. So what can we take away from this documentary? I felt that the documentary was one-sided and a little bit sneaky, although the filmmakers were so clumsy in their tactics that calling them sneaky is a compliment they don't deserve. They assumed that much of the audience would not bother to watch a video like the one I'm doing now or to otherwise conduct research on the topic. The documentary, however, is not without any value. It does illustrate an important subject matter. The result of this case, as I mentioned, is uncertain, but one thing that does seem clear is that there is at least one monster in this situation. It is either Woody Allen 
or Mia Farrow. With either outcome, Dylan Farrow is a victim. She lost either way. I think that this is really one of the key takeaways from the documentary. Dylan Farrow, regardless of which narrative somebody believes, was truly a victim. The documentary claimed that this was a story about powerful people using their influence. That statement may be accurate. It's up to everybody to decide for themselves who is the nefarious, powerful person in the scenario or to be comfortable with uncertainty. In the end, I think uncertainty is all we have in this case. This has been True Crime Psychology and Personality from Ars Longa Media. This content is for educational and entertainment purposes only. Ars Longa Vita Brevis. mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply.